Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to episode four of Life in the Jungle. It's Coach Cam. I got the Pharaoh with me. Alex B, what's going on with you? I'm happy as all Cincinnatians and who they maniacs are. We are in first place, brother. <laughs> hey, week one, you in first place. Um, see what Baltimore do tonight. Obviously, we probably be rooting against them. But, you know, hey, there's 16 teams that's 1-0 and 16 teams 0-1. And I definitely want – I'm glad that we're on the side uh, of 1-0, of, of excuse me. Um, and Cleveland is 0-1, by the way. Yeah, yep. And, 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 you know, all these people <laughs> that, you know, got the Browns in the Super Bowl, they had a chance to win that game. Oh, they did. They, they played tough. And, again, Kansas City is Kansas City, so – I, I don't really believe in moral victories in pro football, but nope. it's not as if the, the Browns didn't belong in the game. They certainly had their chances to win. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. But enough of the Browns. We're gonna we're gonna get in and recap uh this 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 uh week one victory over the Minnesota Vikings. And I'm I'm gonna let you go, I'm gonna let you start. What did you see? Like the takeaways from the game, what did you get out? of week one against the Vikings? Big takeaway is that our defense is for real. We had some questions during the preseason because we saw or heard headlines coming out that they were dominating the offense in practice. And we're like, wait a minute. I don't see no Geno Atkins or Carlos Dunlap or Leon Halls out there. What's, what's going on? But, hey, we have a group that plays really well together. I think they finally fit and understand Sweet Lou's 3-4 uh, scheme out there and that defensive line. So the takeaways, I didn't mention his name much during the preseason, and I hate to admit it because I heard nobody pronounce it. So I didn't want to disrespect the brother by not being able to pronounce his name. But but let's let's start up front with Larry Ogunjobi. Yes. The addition from the Cleveland Browns who came over. Very stout debut. Four solo tackles and a sack was all over the field. Even if he wasn't making the play, he was definitely controlling his gap. And, and pushing offensive linemen into the backfield. Uh, I saw B.J. Hill sighting, came over from the yeah. Giants, that trade with Billy Price. Uh, he had a phenomenal debut, a uh, couple sacks out there. Uh, Trey Hendrickson yeah. was, was causing problems out there. My defense and, and the best safety duo in the league in Jesse Bates and Von Bell was really coming up laying wood, uh, setting the tone uh, defensively. So I, I wanted to start giving some love to the defense who held last year's second leading rusher and, and, and Dalvin Cook to 61 yards on the ground and one touchdown. Uh, he had a, a three-yard per carry average. So anytime you do that, you're putting yourself in position uh, to win. We did allow Mr. Thielen to get his one you know, touchdown grab, but you're not going to shut down everybody. But I thought the defense uh, played tremendous out there and need to get their flowers. So – uh, what do you think about the defense and your takeaways from the game? Yeah, man, uh, the defense just looked more sure. Uh, we 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 talked about it just uh, as far as the preseason. Uh, we just looked more sure in what we was trying to do, uh, and it, and it makes a difference when you have guys that actually want to commit to what the coaches are trying to do. It makes a difference. I don't care if that player that left's better technically. Because yeah. I'm not saying, you know, those guys weren't good. They were very good for us. But they just didn't fit. And they didn't want to – and 
and arguably, why should they want to fit when they did something so well in the previous scheme? Uh, but we got guys in here that believe in the scheme, believe in the staff, and it shows by the way they, they're playing fast. Uh, you know, and <clears throat> Gerald here says our linebackers played great. I thought Pratt is, a, you know, this is year three for Pratt, I believe, and he showed a tremendous amount of improvement, um, you know, in that game as well. I, you know, just getting after it far. And, and another person I want to uh, give a kudos to, Trey Hendrickson. He didn't get a sack, but they couldn't block that man. Uh, you talk about hole and penalty after hole and penalty. The Vikings fans was mad because it was a hole in every play. But I'm like, it's legit. They can't block him. Yeah. They couldn't block him. And, and him, you know, being able to rush the passers, drop back in coverage, and be able to mix, uh, you know, mix things up. You know, I, you know, top 16 defense, that could go a long way with this offensive group. Yeah, and I thought the linebackers did play well. I, I'm still looking for a little bit more uh, splash plays where you can actually, you know, just see it uh, coming out uh, from the linebacking core. But they did their job. But like I said, I, when I was watching it, I saw the same thing you did. Hendrickson causing problems. Uh, Ogan Joby. And, and the crew up there really wrecking stuff. The defensive line set the tone from the jump that Dalvin yeah. Cook was not going to run all over them and that we were not going to give Kirk Cousins enough time to get comfortable and, and essentially turn him into check down Charlie um, yeah. out there, which is, I think, what ultimately won the game, you know, defensively. Uh, but, of course, we have to talk about the offense and, and get to that side of the ball. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to just, you know, tee it up for, for you and, and every other person yes. back in April uh, <laughs> was, was super thrilled with the selection of Uno Jamar chase over Panay Sewell. had a lot of people, including myself questioning the pick, especially when he had a uh, rough training camp and was not holding on to the football. Mm-hmm. But I, I do want to, give myself a couple kudos. Number one, I did predict that 27-24 score with Mr. McPherson kicking the winning field goal. You so did. not only did I predict the score, I said how we were going to win the game. Yeah, <laughs> I agree that. And secondly, I, I did try to hold off and reserve judgment on Jamar Chase until we got to week one because I do know that some guys are what they call gamers and they're yeah. better when the lights are on and everything's for real. And, you know, he was out for a year and he didn't need some time to get his legs under. But the floor is yours. Go ahead and and and, and poke your chest out, talk about Uno in the game <laughs> on, on offense. Hey, man, look, I'm not going to, you know, just always, you know, poke my chest out of the way out. But, you know, it just shows, you know, what an elite weapon on the outside can do for your offense. Uh, it can mask some of your offensive line issues. Um, for him to have five catches, 101 yards, and a TD after the – the preseason and training camp that we heard he had and we seen that he had, um, it was just huge. It, it kind of, for me, shows that Jamar Chase is a gamer. Uh, you know, when the lights are bright and it's time to go, you know, he ain't dropping no passes yesterday. Um, you know, and I was just watching some of the breakdowns, like on Twitter, it's got, uh, you know, body breakdowns and, you know, he was separating. You know, he, he I, I just thought, you know, he played well and it just gives us another element on the other side of T. Higgins. Um, you know, that can really, you know, somebody that can stretch the field because he just ran straight past Breland, ran straight passing for a touchdown. Well, look, five catches for 101 yards and an electrifying 50-yard, you know, TD, 
uh, mixed in there. I'm not going to complain about that. It's a good start for a man that when he got drafted said he was going to destroy every uh, franchise receiving record out there. Uh, got a long way to go before you reach Ocho status, but I right. will take that from uh, a day one and show the explosion and everything that Bengals fan wanted when he was selected number five overall. I, you know, I saw a guy, I won't put his name out here, but a pretty good pal of mine played football with me in high school. It was actually our starting running back uh, my senior year. He, he made a status uh, basically poking fun at Bengals fans about, oh, everybody was talking down on Jamar Chase. Now look at y'all and da 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 and I'm like, well, well, what were we supposed to say when the brother was dropping? The- <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's fair. You know, it was fair criticism at the time because, like I said, you know, when we talked, um, I believe, on my show on Time Out with Coach Cam, or uh, I might have been even factual opinions, I was saying, you know, we can get somebody that can play right now. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And we don't have to switch their position or anything like that. It's right now. He can plug in. And we can, and that's what we expected. So when that, when the whole struggles come out, we're like, "Whoa, that ain't what we expected." We expected someone to come in and dominate and give us good performance right away. And at five, that's what you looked for. So great start for you know Jamar Chase. Let's hope he can carry it on the road. Road always a different animal. Uh, so that should. Uh, I'm just anxious to see if he can back it up with another performance. But one thing I do want to say, because I know you was talking about uh, your friend, you know, was saying, oh, Bengals fans, now y'all want to, you know, hype up Jamar Chase. But I want to talk about the Bengals fans that don't want to get a Bengals credit for their victory. Mm. I've seen all throughout, you know, um, on Facebook, you know, and and just a little bit on Twitter. It's just like, oh, we won, but this, that, and the third. Oh, we won, but what this play call sucked. We won, but, but I'm like, listen. Under the Zach Taylor era, we haven't celebrated much winning. <laughs> let's be happy with a win. Let's let's take the positives from the game. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. I think you look at uh, you know across the board, week one, it's always a little shaky. Far as you know, knocking out some kinks. You know, you got guys maybe coming out for IVs and things like that, just because. It's ramped up now. It's different. So right. week one is always kind of like that filler week for me. But it's always good to get that start and, you know, and get that win. But these fans, like, y'all got to stop. Celebrate the wins. I mean, before, you know, first year, Zach Taylor starts off 0-10 or 0-11. <laughs> then it was 0-2-1 last year where we had some games that we should have won. Like, so let's, let's talk about how this team could have went into here we go again mode. When they gave up, you know, the uh, the 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, they didn't hold their head down. They didn't hold their head down after, you know, we really didn't get anything off of our first two overtime possessions and the defense kept battling. For once, lose defense made a play for us. Right. You know what I mean? Instead of giving away the game, they made a play for us to help us win the game. Well, and 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 to piggyback on that, you know, we're going to show our age a little bit here with this next comment that I make. But I'm going to go back to, you know, the Bengals all time great offensive tackle, Willie Anderson. You know, yeah. uh, I remember when they first turned the tide under Marvin and we got to the point where we were competitive and winning games. And it seemed like fans got to the point where it's almost like we became the Yankees or, or the Patriots or <laughs> The Lakers, where it's like now we're critiquing victories, right? Like it's it's right. not just good enough to get a W. And I'm like, look, I don't know where you guys have been 
But, you know, <laughs> the age bracket I grew up in, we don't complain about W's, as Willie would say. You know, so I'll take, you know, a, an ugly win over a pretty loss any day. Uh, and, and, and I don't really think it was all that ugly, like you said. I don't either. Under the circumstances being the first game of the year and several guys coming back off injuries and, and you know, your number one draft pick didn't even play football last year and just a lot of new pieces out there on both sides of the ball. They played a good game. So, you know, for the Bengals fans doing that, you know, uh, that bothers me because, look, when they do good, I'm going to praise them. You know, if there's constructive criticism or yeah. criticism in general that needs to be levied, I do that. But this whole can't make them happy stuff, you know, that verges on negativity, and, and I don't like that. Look, they, they won. Exactly. You know, exactly. It. We got a, got a question here. Anyone seen how uh, Sewell was done? That's your, that's your boy. So I'll let you touch on that. Chase seems like a decent pick so far, comparatively speaking. Uh, he moved, got moved to left tackle. I'll let you dive into it. But he did get moved to left tackle yesterday after Taylor Decker suffered an injury. And he looked much more comfortable and played well. Well, we definitely talked about that off the record. So it's, that's a great comment and a segue because, again, we don't really necessarily want to get into comparisons now because we have Chase. He ain't going nowhere, you know, no time soon. So, honestly, both picks showed up yesterday and yep. did what they were supposed to do. Jamar Chase showed you the explosiveness and the playmaking ability that, uh, you know, ultimately made them side with them. Uh, last year, I think we struggled. We were like number 31 out of 32 teams for, you know, downfield plays. That's why we drafted Chase. And Panay Sewell, yes, yesterday they played the 49ers. They played against one of, whether you like him or not, one of the most elite pass rushers in the game in Nick Boza. Right. And he really didn't do anything against Panay Sewell. And the key, as you said, is uh, Taylor Decker got hurt and had surgery on his finger. So they moved Panay Sewell to left tackle. And even Nick Boza, you know, himself said, hey, I can tell the guy's much more comfortable at left tackle. Mm-hmm. And that's what we talked about is the fact that at left tackle with somebody like Sewell, who his greatest attribute is his athleticism, he can go out and play instead of thinking and reworking his whole footwork and angles. And that's what you saw yesterday. So Detroit Lions fans should be happy. But as far as making a comparison, hey, that's what you want. Both guys were drafted in the top 10. They didn't disappoint yesterday. Let's hope they can keep going and make it a consistent thing. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree with you fully there. And just to segue as far as our tackles, let's talk about – we can talk about the offensive line a little bit. Um, I thought in the run game it did very well. Um, and that's kudos to Zach Taylor sticking with the run, mm-hmm. not going away from it. We talked about how, you know, our boy Joe Dean got yeah. to get 20, to, you know, 20, at least 20 carries. Uh, he had 29 for 127, I believe, uh, and, a, and a TD and had a few catches out the backfield. You talk about 29 total touches for Joe Mixon. Um, obviously, that's, you know, kudos to the old line and, and also Frank Pollock's wide zone blocking scheme as well. Okay, you kind of cut out for a second. Um, so, yeah, well – we were happy to see that because we were looking for a balanced game plan, which is going to open up everything uh, for everybody on uh, the offense. And Joe, who I still believe, even though we got, you know, QB one out there and Jamar chase, I still personally believe at this juncture, Joe Mixon is our best overall, you know, football player, at least offensively on this team 
right now. I believe he has the ability to kind of put up some Le'Veon Bell for the Pittsburgh Steeler numbers where you're looking at maybe 1,200 yards rushing, possibly another, you know, three to 500 receiving out of the backfield if they really utilize him. So I thought that was very important because when you plan somebody like a Mike Zimmer coach defense that's well coached, and if you are just, you know, sticking to one uh, game plan, he'll eat you up as far as that. So mm-hmm. we kind of had the defense on their heels the whole game because they didn't know what was coming. So that was uh, a very uh, big deal for me to see Zach Taylor stick to the run and keep Joe Mixon involved in the game uh, and, and really pounded out that last, you know, drive and even in overtime to get us in field position where we could do that fourth and one to Mr. Uzama to uh, put us in range to, to go ahead and, and uh, close this game out. So um, I was happy with that. Now, you mentioned a couple times. I didn't get deep into it because I wanted to save it for, you know, us on the air. Uh, Mr. Trey Hopkins up front at center. Even my coworker said something about that earlier. Um, he struggled a bit. Yeah. I was kind of trying to make, I don't want to say some excuses, but some concessions for him. He's coming back off of an ACL injury as well. He only played the three snaps like Joe Burrow did uh, in that last preseason game, but it was noticeable even for non-Bengals fans who happened to, you know, turn on the game, you know, saw that. So here he gave uh, up two sacks. (laughs) LeVar Moss says, yeah, he gave up two sacks. (laughs) You know, he did. And, but we also talked about how, Mike Zimmer runs that double uh, A got blitzed. It basically he, you know, if he didn't invent it, he perfected it. So you knew it was coming. And early on, I did have some concerns. I'm like, man, this is this is not looking good. Joe's running for his life, and uh, he got up gimpy the one time. And was happy he was able to get on the bike and get himself together. So, I mean, overall, the offensive line is better than it was last year. Now again. What does that necessarily mean? How much better? We're going to see going forward uh, as we keep going. Uh, Chicago has some pretty good defensive players out there uh, as well with, you know, Akeem Hicks and, uh, of course, Khalil Mack. So we're going to get another test right away in week two. But, I mean, are are you comfortable overall with what you saw offensively on the line? Uh, On the line... I want to say that the tackles were were great. Yeah, you know, they graded high. They didn't allow any hits. They didn't allow any pressure. So, Jonah, Jonah Williams is showing that he could be that anchor at left tackle, which is very, very, very encouraging. Um, you know, and Riley, if we brought in to be a wall, you know, he's doing well. You know, he did well for week one against his former mm-hmm. team. Uh, the interior uh, line, you know, it worries me. You know. From guard to guard. Um, I, now, I like I said, you know, Spain didn't play bad. Um, I, I thought he played pretty well. Mm-hmm. Hopkins was a concern. Uh, you know, he graded out as a 7.5. You know, and if anybody don't know PFF stats, I'm not a person that, you know, say PFF is the Bible. But, <laughs> but a 7.5, we're working on Michael Jordan's level now. Mm-hmm. That's numbers that we got from him. And that is a concern for me because it's pressure up the middle and you never want that on your quarterback. Uh, don't get me wrong. Michael Pierce is a Pro Bowl level nose tackle or D tackle. Um, but 
we have to have a better performance out of Trey Hopkins, uh, you know, moving forward. And some are guards, but I didn't think uh, Zay, um, XS, XSF, Xavier, uh, you know, Xavier played well either. Um, so for me, it's almost like, okay, if you're going to get performance like that far as average, per se, from your guards, why not put Jackson Carmen out there to learn on the fly? You know, it's a good question. And, and you know, I read uh, Need Carmen to take a spot inside, uh, Corey Brooker says. Well, I read some concerns that the main concern they had with him coming in, in addition to learning a new position, was that he didn't show up in the best physical condition. Now, I don't yeah. know where he's at as far as that, you know, is concerned uh, right now. But you certainly would want to get some production from your second-round pick. You know, to have a number two, you know, sit on, you know, the bench the entire year, you know, regardless of how far we do or don't go would be a loss, you know, because you want yeah. production with that second round uh, pick. So we're going to have to wait and see and see, you know, what Carmen is able to do. But that is a concern. You're talking about the interior because this is still the NFL. You know, yes, they play, you know, Pro Bowl caliber nose, you know, uh, but they're going to do the same thing. And, and next week in, in facing the Bears you know, uh, with Hicks out there. So, you know, you're going to play elite players across the board. And the more and more tape you get as we go throughout the season, teams are not going to shy away from what your weaknesses are. They, so they it's, it's certainly a concern. I don't I don't know uh, that they need to go out and do anything in free agency. I do trust, you know, Frank Pollock, our offensive line coach, to coach them up and to get them better. I do know that that's one of his attributes. But you have to be concerned because I did see Joe running for his life a few times out there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, I but you know, I'm I am glad I'm not glad to see Joe get sacked, but I'm glad, you know, just to, you know, be able to get touched, you know, get back to game rhythm and you seen him uh get more comfortable a little bit as the game uh, game went on. Now I do have a question for you. Okay. Fourth and one at your own thirty. <laughs> You're up twenty-one to seven. Your thoughts? Yeah, my boy Jeff. Uh, I don't know if he's too dead yet. He hasn't said anything, but uh, he jumped all over me when I criticized Zach Taylor for that. He said, "Don't do that." Now you know if he would have converted, you wouldn't have been saying that. Da, da, da. I said, "Okay." Here's the thing, though. I said, "I get it. I understand." We had the mojo going at that point in time. Uh, we had already converted, I think, at that time, one other fourth down, you know, at the time. And, you know, he's wanting to put them away. I get that. That's something you do at the 50-yard line or in your opponent's territory, in that in-between range between a field goal, punting the ball. I did not agree with that. Now, I'm not going to say anything about the play call or whatever. I just know that Joe uh, Mixon kind of stumbled coming out of the backfield and it wasn't particularly blocked well that particular play. But, you know, again, that other team gets paid too. So they stepped up and made a play. Now the, the problem I have is football is still very much a cause and effect game. And when you do things like that, there's an invisible stat called momentum. And I believe it wasn't, but maybe what at most three or four plays later, you saw what happened in Minnesota cast in. And now all of a sudden it's a 21, 14 ball game completely turned the you know trajectory of the game. So again, you know, the call itself, 
the only reason I'm going to jump on Zach Taylor slightly is because of where they were on the field. I didn't think that was a good choice. Absolutely. Before I give my thoughts on it, uh, my boy Ma says here, not looking too far ahead, but the Steelers pass rush, pass rush looked possessed yesterday. I know it's two weeks away, but I'm, I'm nervous for Joe. Uh, that's rightfully so. Uh, you know, they have TJ Watt and now Melvin Ingram who gets to benefit one-on-one. I spoke about that, you know, last, uh, I think last show he gets to benefit one-on-one, you know, blocking. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a test, you know, these first three weeks far as uh defensive fronts is probably the hardest we're going to see all year in a three week span. So it's going to really test the offensive line and give them, you know, something solid, something solid to work, uh, work with on film too to improve throughout the season. But Frank Pollock, you know, it's not to be, you know, underestimated. Uh, he'll have these guys put in a position and be ready to be ready to go. And I don't want to uh, Steelers yet. I want, I want to still live off this high this week one victory. Me too. And, and, and stretch it to two possibly. But, I mean, it's obviously a concern that, you know, we all as Bengals fans, you know, have when Blitzburg comes to town. But, you know, again, to flip it and maybe look at a positive, you know, they are still suspect, as you know what, in the secondary. Uh, and, and we took one of their major pieces in Mike Hilton, who is now our nickel corner here. So it could be a catch-22 as long as we give Joe enough time. Who knows if they have enough talent to cover T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and uh, Uno out there as long as Joe is able to get the ball out quickly and we establish Joe Mixon at all. You know, we may neutralize some of that pass rush, but you're right. If we get behind and we're in a position where Pittsburgh can pin their ears back and do what they do best, it could be a concern. But, you know, we got a little bit of time before we, um, you know, actually have to worry about uh, black and yellow. Yep, absolutely. Let's, let's get, try to get to 2-0 and oh first. Uh, but with the fourth and one call, you know, I, I'm looking and I'm in the stands and I'm like, they're going to try to make them, they're going to try to jump them off sides. Right, they're gonna try to draw them off sides, hard count, run it down, timeout, punt it. I seen the ball snap. I'm like, <laughs> oh lord. I'm like, oh lord. Uh, you know, uh, and go, looking back on it, I heard Zach Taylor's quote. You know, he said, "Look, you know, I wanted to win the game right there. I felt like we had the momentum. I wanted to go take the game and bury him. I respect it, but like you said." There's a time and a place for that. And at your own 30, when your defense haven't given up a touchdown and since late in the first, like early in the second quarter, and they're they're balling, you have to put them in a position to be successful as well. And 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 I think that was forgotten about a little bit. And Jesse Bates admitted that he was pissed off at Zach Taylor. But Zach Taylor, no, he admitted he said, I was pissed. You like that, that, in that position. And but Zach Taylor uh told him, like, look, this is who we gonna be this year. If we feeling it, we gonna be aggressive, and if we're gonna lose, we're gonna go out swinging. And even though it was a maybe a bad play call or a bad decision, mm-hmm. you gotta respect it a little bit that this ain't your maybe your Marvin Lewis, Andy Dalton Bengals, where fourth and one we're punting and kicking field. I respect anybody who's trying to go for the gusto. And it's trying to win. But you still have to be smart about even yeah. doing that. And, you know, you're not going for every fourth down. You know, there's selective times and places on the field, situational football that call for it. 
where, yeah, you can go for Bill Parcells was one of the original coaches that used to go for it on fourth down, you know, a lot in those scenarios, especially if it was fourth and short. So, I, you know, I get that. But, you know, to me what stood out is I thought it was more or less that uh, coming into this season and this opening game kind of playing with house money. I mean, he, he's still on the hot seat. Let's let's not act like because he's one to know that, you know, uh, that totally erases everything. And I think it was just one of those things. Yeah, he was trying to win the game right there. I agree with him. He, you know, uh, got a little hyper. And I don't want to say desperate, but, you know, he could say, look, if I get this first down and we go down here and score again, we might be able to put him away. So I get it. I just think we need to be a little bit more smart, at least be in our opponent's territory. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, I've been here yesterday. We blitz more than normal. How do you feel about that? Uh, I mean, it's part of the little scheme, you know, the three-four scheme. We brought Mike Hilton in. I, I know I seen Mike Hilton come off that corner several times, but that's one of his best attributes. Um, you know, we have guys that you know, like I said, fits the system and are blitzers. I don't mind, you know, zone blitzes at, at all, and you know, bringing pressure from different angles. Um, as long as, you know, the secondary can hold up in the back end. Um, and, you know, people gave Eli Apple a hard time yesterday. Um, and he didn't play, you know, extremely well. But, you know, he didn't he didn't absolutely just get destroyed. You know what I mean? Like, it, like of course, I thought he had a rough uh, drive on the touchdown drive. They had the first one where he missed the tackle on third and 22. Uh, and you know, gave up the dealing touchdown in the hole on third down. I think that was a rough drive that people was like, really was on Eli Apple about. But I think after that, I thought he, I thought he played well. But I'm fine with us blitzing. Yeah, I think it's still situational too. You know, they're not going to do that every week against every you know opponent. I mean, this week you kind of want to expose the let's say limited athletic ability of a you know Kirk Cousins. You know, out there. You want to force him to get the ball out of his hands, you know, quickly and have to, you know, try to get the ball downfield so he can't sit there and be a check down Charlie and be comfortable. So it, it was catered towards what, you know, their game plan probably was. Now, you know, you could possibly see something similar this week, you know, when they play the Bears because they don't have a great number of weapons on the outside. And, you know, we all know and I love him. Uh, Andy Dalton, the red rifle, is not comfortable with pressure, you know, in his face either. So you may see that again. Um, but I, but I don't, I don't really know how many games we'll see them blitz as often as they did yesterday. That's kind of a wait and see. Yes, absolutely. And uh, we're going to touch on uh, Corey's comment here. He said, as "Far as Coach Taylor, he's not used to being in his position to put his foot on the throat." Coach yeah. is young and he's learning too. And that could be, a, you know, that's a great point. You know, like I, I honestly think, you know, when we hired Zach Taylor, we knew that this was going to be a massive rebuild. Hey, man, think, l- learn on somebody else's time. <laughs> hey, but I, but I really feel, I feel they was like, he's a great man. He interviews well, you know, all that stuff. We're going to give him a chance to learn why we rebuild because those, those teams, what he wanted to do in the teams that we had when he got here, the window had closed. Let's just yeah. be honest. The window had closed. And, you know, so I just think it was a kind of point to let him learn on the job while he rebuilt. I honestly, because to me, I didn't, originally I didn't understand the hire, but I really do think, <laughs> uh, 
you know, it was kind of one of those jobs. Let him learn. Like, he's a bright man. He may have a lot to learn. Let him learn as he rebuild his roster. Well, That's what he's, he's going to have to. And I don't care how long uh, somebody's been in the league or not. Anytime they become a first-time NFL head coach, there's going to be a learning curve, you know. Mm-hmm. But at, at a certain point, you know, it's a results-oriented business, and you still have to make do with what you have and develop what you have, you know, if it's not where it needs to be. And that's, you know, your job as a head coach to do and to oversee, you know, the other coaches on the staff to make sure they're getting that, you know, across to the players. So, you know, it, the learning curve was going to be a little steep. I mean, I know what he was hired for and and why they wanted to go to an offensive-minded head coach in today's NFL, and particularly after 16 years with a defensive-minded coach. You know, that's what they, you know, were after. Now, the hire itself, as far as Zach Taylor being that choice, you know, again, I'm I'm refraining from that because we got a lot more episodes to go. There's a lot of a season left, so I don't even really want to get in, into that. But, hey, look, I do know that Zach Taylor has learned a little bit on the job. You can see him managing certain elements of the game a lot better than he did his first two years and even towards the end of last year if i'm going to be honest and be fair about it you know i saw zach taylor make certain changes you know in game that showed me that okay he understands it may not be what he wants to do or he may not want to run the ball as often as as is required or like he did yesterday but he realizes that's what's necessary to win yeah and you just can't have joe going back there i don't care like Dak show he could throw the ball 50 times 58 times whatever let them do that I don't want Joe throwing the ball 50 times, fresh off of knee surgery. His first real game, and I don't want that. So I am glad that he stuck with the run game. And I'm just going to read off these comments, really. Uh, easier to let the blitzes fly when you have secondary capable of holding up. The back end looked good, good yesterday. I, I agree with that. And uh, my boy Boss here says the Bears O-line is trash. I agree. Um that's another O-line that's suspect that we could get after and pressure well, in. How many years has Jason Peters been in the league now at this point? Jason Peters is like maybe 37, 38. And I seen Donald yesterday just taking, uplift him, and just – and Jason Peters is probably 3, 4. Yeah, he's a big guy. I just seen him ball. <laughs> You know, I'm just like, man, that old line is bad. I'm, I'm thinking about how Trey, Trey Hendrickson did yesterday. He could do some more damage. B.J. Hill, Ogan, Joby, Reader, and those boys uh, getting after it. Uh, I'm very excited, uh, uh, you know, about that matchup on the on the line. And he said, I do like the way we've been rebuilt the roster. I think, you know, as far as a three-year turnaround, I do think the roster's been rebuilt pretty decently. Um, like I said, I would like, you know, the interior the offensive line to get better. but. Like I said, you know, just an overall recap, we want to know. Fans, let's not, let's not, you know, nitpick at the wins. You know, let's 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 accept these wins. And like I say, hey, you can learn from wins too. Let's learn as we win. That's how what I tell our teams and our coach. Let's 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 learn as we win. Okay. We don't have to take a loss to learn. You know, and that that first comment that we had as we were reading them off, uh, I do like our back end. I thought the corners were gonna be a corner by committee uh, type of deal this year, which I still think they've got to play good together. They don't have one shutdown guy necessarily, but everybody knows their role. It would be tremendous to get a healthy Trey Waynes out there. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, this, this year, but you know, I'm just going to say it. And it's not because I live in Cincinnati or I'm a biased Bengals fan. 
we do have the best safety duo in the league, period. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I agree with that. And uh, Corey Brooker said, I think Peters is out. Well, if Peters is out, that's even worse because <laughs> they have nothing uh, on that offensive line, the Chicago, the Chicago uh, as far as the Chicago Bears go, um, which we can kind of we can kind of segue into that. Uh, you know, we talked about the win. We happy about the win, but you know, by the time this out, Spotify tomorrow, which will be Tuesday, we gotta get back to work and we gotta get ready for the for the Chicago Bears. Uh, what are your some early thoughts on what we need to be able to pull out of victory in Soldier Field? The Bears. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, obviously, uh, I like the kid Montgomery, the running back that they have. He's very shifty. I'm here. Uh, Andy Dalton, I love him. Love him a lot more than most Bengals fans do. I, you know, I'm going to be honest. I feel sorry for Andy. It seems like this dude gets the raw end of the stick. Everywhere he goes, he can't win for losing. He's yeah. got what Chris Collinsworth said last night, a potential phenom sitting behind him, which don't make it any better. And what a class move by Justin Fields uh, coming out and telling Bears fans, hey, look, I appreciate you wanting me to be on the field, but Andy Dalton, you know, as my teammate, you know, we're in this together. Stop booing him, man. I, I really, you know, uh, want to give a hats off to Justin Fields for doing Definitely. that. But uh, it's not a real talented team offensively to me. And the way the Bengals defense is playing right now, you know, if we come out similar effort we've been doing all preseason and yesterday – Bengals can put the clamps on them. And then the question becomes, is there anything the Bears can do? You saw them sprinkle in some Justin Fields yesterday. Uh, listen, I know people are going to say I'm biased, but look, he, he looked pretty good on those couple passes I saw, and he got his, uh, you know, touchdown on the ground. If he comes into the game, that could change things because he's going to be able to create a little bit more than an Andy Dalton is. But I think overall the Bengals should – should be feeling pretty good. I don't want them to be overconfident. It is a role game at Soldier Field, but I'm looking at a severely hampered offense for the Bears. Uh, question becomes defensively, uh, what are we going to do with Hicks and Khalil Mack? What is your comfort level as far as that's concerned going into this game? So uh, what, what do you think would be your key points of emphasis for the Bears? Key points of em emphasis outside of, you know, my thing every week, I'm going to come on this show. First thing I'm going to say is stop the run. That's every week you're going to hear me say that. So when y'all listen on Spotify, y'all watch, y'all tune in live. Every week I'm going to say first thing we got to do, stop the run. Because that's what they want to do. They want to get David Montgomery established first, play action off that, hit Allen Robinson, maybe Cole Komet, you know, those type of guys. So we want to make Andy Dalton one-dimensional. Um, my main thing on the other side of the ball, uh, I'm more, and I know some, I'm more concerned about Akeem Hicks than I am Mac, just because of our interior line right now and, and the way Hopkins, well, Hopkins is recovering off this, uh, this torn ACL and the way Linville Joseph played against Hopkins this past weekend has me very concerned about what Akeem, because Akeem Hicks is very, 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 very good. For the people who maybe don't know, uh, he 
He's a grown man in the middle. Uh, I think Jonah and Riley and Riley Reeve has some familiarity with him by playing in the division. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think they will be able to do a good enough job. But Hicks in the middle, man, that honestly scares me. We have to, you know, have a hat on him as well as, uh, you know, Roquan, Roquan Smith. He yeah. brings the hammer at, at linebacker. And I'm just going to bring up the comments since it was right here as I was speaking of it. Uh, that middle linebacker bringing the woods and the A-gaps too. That's uh, Roquan Smith. So we got to make sure we get a hat on him in the second level. Um, and, and I think that's the main – they secondary don't concern me. Eddie Jackson has taken, the, you know, very steps back to me outside of his rookie year. The corners don't scare me. I don't think they can match up with us in the, in the back end. Yeah, there's, it, there's, there's no Peanut Tillman out there for the mm-hmm. Bears right now. But, you know, where they are strong is where we've already spoken about, you know, and our concerns lie, you know, for the Bengals and the interior of our offensive line is where, like you said, Hicks is a monster, and that's an understatement. We got to come up with another adjective. Like, you know, that guy's I, – I, I want Bengals fans to be uh, sure and, and ready for what they're going to see on Sunday. He's going to be a problem, you know, if we don't get a hat in hand on him and, and deal with Hicks in that middle. So um, very concerned, but, you know, I do think we have enough weapons on the outside to supplement as long as we let Joe get the ball out of his hands, you know, quickly enough. Um, running game, I you know, we'll see because again, you got to do something with Hicks. Roquan Smith, you know, knows how to fill his gap at linebacker. Uh, Khalil Mack moves all over the field, so he's not going to be a stationary target, you know, either. Um, I'd be interested to see how we get the running game, you know, going. So they do present some challenges, but I think overall, Bengals are more talented team, they have more weapons. They seem more sure of himself. Matt Nagy and that coaching staff. They um, don't know what they're doing, bro. <laughs> Listen, if Zach Taylor's on the hot seat, they have to be number two uh, in, in the NFL. As they far may as be number playing. one right now by <laughs> them. Uh, and, and, you know, and I understand what they're trying to do as far as, you know, starting in and giving him opportunity. But, man, if I'm Matt Nagy, I'm like, yo, my job is on the line. And eventually, I'm I'm nervous. This is what I'm nervous about. I'm nervous about we come out, come out, we ten nothing, we smacking them, and they put in Justin Fields. <laughs> That's what I'm concerned because Mo, you know us and rookie mobile quarterbacks don't mesh. Well, that and and traditionally we have been the coming out party for guys making their debuts. Most famously, this might be. A little bit old for some of the younger Bengals fans, but you know, go all the way back to '92. You and I were, were young tykes. You know, there was some kid that came on the field that hadn't previously started for the Green Bay Packers. Then we were up in that game, and the Bengals were two and zero at that point under Dave Shula as head coach. And some uh, backup quarterback named Brett Favre comes into the game and totally changes the trajectory of NFL history, leaves them back in that game. So we're not speaking that into existence. But, yeah, it's, it's a concern. I thought about that. Like, what if we get after Andy and we run him out and, you know, the crowd is going to give a nice standing ovation to Justin Fields if he trots on the field. And, and, and listen, you know, I saw the brother play. I watched him closely just like a lot of other people did. Not going to get into my connections, you know, with him, but the boy can play some football. 
So it's it's a concern. You want Andy Dalton to stay in the game, basically, is what I'm trying to say with Bengals fans. <laughs> yes. Um, let's see, Corey said their O line is trash, but you throw Fields out there, and you have to worry about the run game with him and Montgomery. You also uh, have a Rob. Uh, Goodwin and a big tight end. That's Cole Komet. It changes things a bit. It does. Uh, you know, it forces those uh, linebackers to sit a little bit longer uh, when you have, uh, you know, the ability of Justin Fields, you know, to be able to probably a lot more RPOs and things like that. So it'll definitely, uh, you know, give us a challenge. But like you said, we're the better football team. We're the better football team. We're more sure of ourselves. We know what we want to do. And the new the Bears got a new defensive scheme, too. And they had a, they got a new defensive coordinator, and it was honestly it was leaks everywhere last night. Yeah. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I know Sean McVay is a heck of an offensive coach, but there were just busted coverages after busted coverages last night. From what I saw, you, we seen Cooper Cup wide open. It wasn't nobody within fifteen yards of the man. I just think uh, we'll find a way to exploit the secondary. Um, and, and I hope we do because Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, like you were saying, you know, is, is a decent wide receiver. And, you know, they got some vets out there like a Robert Woods and so forth that have played a lot of NFL football, been around the block. But I still don't think that's a better receiving core than we have. Mm-mm. So, you know, we get our guys out there in space. And, and I know they're going to be coached up a little better because I was watching that game and it was the first play of the game when Stafford drops back and literally lets it rip, you know, as if that blown coverage wasn't bad enough. Nobody touches him. Touching. And he gets up like the old Antonio Freeman uh, uh, play <laughs> and, and runs into the end zone. So I'm sure they won't be sleepwalking uh, this game. But, you know, I, I like what I saw. Maybe get Tyler Boyd involved a little bit more in the slot I would like to, you know, see. But, hey, if if, if Uno and, and Mr. Higgins are eating on the outside, look, we're going to go where the coverage dictates and, and, and what's open. But I think if we can get all three of them involved early and them start thinking about the pass, you know, kind of get those studs out of the middle that we're worried about, you know, start mixing in some handoffs to Joe Mixon, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I agree with you there. Uh, so yesterday we schemed some guys, some schemed some dudes open yesterday. We did. Uh, there was one play, even though we scored on the drive, it was one play I wanted back. It was a pretty uh, play-action rollout, and we missed Michael Thomas. And it was wide open for a TD. I was down at the state. That was a clear TD. I saw – and I'm not about to, you know, because a lot of people say, bro, Mr. Throw. I watched it again. You know, it's about – a lot of stuff on offense is about timing, routes, where you're supposed to be. I felt like Mike Thomas looped that route a little bit. And that's why you see the ball fall like that. I didn't think he made that sharp enough cut on his route. Uh, but luckily, we got a touchdown on that drive anyway, so that's a good point. But that was the play that I loved. And it was an example of what he showed where we schemed a guy open, and he was wide wide open for the most part. So I do like seeing that. Um, a surprise yesterday, uh, and Moss just said it here, we didn't see Chris Evans. He didn't get a snap. And that, and that was either for me, it's just like, I like Pete Ryan, but I, I've said before I would like to see Chris Evans out there at least get uh, whether it's a screen pass, whether it's getting him involved, put him in the slot maybe, you know, throw if you were like your five wide receiver set, put him out there. You well, know? see, that's that's one of the areas where you and I 
you know, differ. You know, we, we've had an episode this this time where we were agreeing on a lot of points. You know, I am not a big Samaj P. Ryan fan at all, as we've spoken about off the record. It kind of reminds me of uh, Cedric Pierman that we had on the roster. <laughs> that is, that is the perfect. Uh, a, a lot of years where it's like, look, and again, I'm not out to single guys out. Anybody that straps up for my Bengals gives the effort, you know, hats off to you. But like, it's just, it just doesn't do anything particularly spectacular. And it's not one of those Deuce Daly's, oh, he doesn't do, you know, any one thing great, but he does them all well. No, man, he's, he's more of a special teams guy. You know, he runs hard. I give you that. I just don't see it. So, yeah, I would love to see some more uh, Chris Evans mixed in there. Let him at least get on the field this time and get, you know, some carriers mixed in there because they made some big decisions letting uh, Jaquez Patrick and, and, you know, Travion Williams go for Chris Evans. So you would certainly think that that means they have the intention of getting him involved at some point. Yeah, and a lot of people were talking about that sack P. Ryan gave up. Uh, you know, and pass pro, and I'm not gonna lie, it was pretty bad. And you know, we got Joe back there. We can't. They, don't get me wrong. It was Harrison Smith coming off a of blitz. This is a safe, all pro safety, borderline built like a linebacker. But you gotta find a way to at least, even if it's just a push him out of the way. It, it was, it was, it was kind of a bad block. And I heard Chris Evans. One of his strong points in preseason was pass pro. Well, that, that was a piss-poor block, just just to be honest, uh, <laughs> that P. Ryan did on that play. And, you know, Chris Evans, that is one of his attributes. I mean, you better, coming from the Big Ten, I don't know too many running backs that can't block or aren't physical enough to coming out of that conference. You know, even a little guy like we saw yesterday for the Vikings and Amir Abdullah, you know, who played it in Nebraska, well, you know, can – can put you on the ground. Uh, Geo, who we had here for years. Was the best one. I've seen it in a long time. Was a great pass protector. So, yeah, it's certainly something that if P. Ryan wants to continue to be in the rotation, I think when they start looking at tape today, uh, it's going to have to get better on, or you might see a lot of Chris Evans. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, one thing I didn't mention, and we both didn't mention, the rookie kicker. We forgot about Money Mick, Kick Fearson, whatever you want to call him. We forgot to mention him. This is the first time I feel like we can line up for a kick and it's going to be money. And that's a good feeling for a big – I don't think I've had that in my years of existence. Like maybe you go back – I mean, even the bad days, you go back to Doug Pelfrey maybe. I was going to say Doug Pelfrey is the most reliable Bengals kicker that I was able to watch. I don't quite go back as far as Jim Breach. Yeah, I don't either. Everybody, yeah, my parents say Jim Breach was the man, but I I haven't seen it. Well, I believe him. You know, he got him to the Super Bowl, but, you know, I was all of two years old when that happened. So, yeah. Right. Uh, (laughs) But, no, Doug Pelfrey, you know, who, if I'm not mistaken, is still the Bengals' all-time leader in, in, in points, you know, because of how often he had to kick field goals during that that lost decade. Uh, but this is money. Like you said, Shane Graham at one point was the most accurate kicker in NFL history, but we know his rap. It was more or less, okay, as long as there's no pressure and the game is not on the line, yeah. But right. with Mr. McPherson, we got somebody that stepped out there and, and is ready to go. Now, we did mention it. 
because you know I mentioned again that that's oh, not yeah. only he wanted to feel did, did I call it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so we did mention, but, but yeah, the special teams. You know, we got one of the best special team coaches uh, in the game. Yep, uh, he's been here for a long time. Uh, you know, Coach Simmons. But I, I, I really do like the fact that we don't have to worry about that. And we don't have to worry about guys acting like they pulled the hamstring. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> any longer? That, so that was a year from today uh, that that happened. It was on my memory because I I know I made a status custody about. I'm like, man, if they don't cut Fat Randy tomorrow, <laughs> like, so it was a, a year from the day where Bullock uh, calf muscle tightened up. After missing like a thirty yard, <laughs> but no, it felt good. Even when he lined up for that fifty-three yarder, it was no doubt in my mind. I knew he was gonna make it. Yeah, it would have been good from sixty. Yeah, I mean, so that's impressive. That people don't realize that's a weapon. You could cross the forty and get points. Like you between the thirty-five and the forty, you could possibly get points. People don't understand how important that is. Why you think the Ravens? Only thing that slightly concerns. Well, and 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 you know they've had one of the best you know kickers for a long time, uh, and even before he came into existence with Stover, you know, back in the day when the yeah. Ravens, you know, originally got to Baltimore, so they know how valuable it is. But you know, one of the things that slightly concerns me, and it could be nothing, and hopefully it is nothing. You know, McPherson is coming from uh, Gainesville down there in, in Gator country. And optimum, you know, weather more often than not. I know they do have a rainy season down there. So I, I'm hoping that, you know, when things kind of turn Ohio-ish out mm. here, that, that he's still the same guy. But I believe we got something in him. It's just just a thought. But, you know, I believe that he's he's the answer. You know. Yeah, you always got considered like windy. You know, it gets windy at Paul Brown, November. You know that at that time of year, so it is something uh, to consider. But this is the thing, and we we I think we both said this. You know, Joe will always keep us close in games. Um, you know, and you know, and and McPherson is a type kicker that can bring us home. Like last year, you know, Joe was looking at the scoreboard after Randy missed that kick. Like, what the hell? Like. <laughs> It's this life, and now you know this year he's yeah. celebrating. You know, after he's doing the same thing he did, you know, leading us in position to possibly win the game or send us to overtime. So that felt felt good, man. As a Bengal fan, going down there, getting that victory, becoming one and know, feeling good about yourself because I felt like last year that's where the game turned. At. Like we, where, where the season kind of turned. Really, game one, offensive pass interference, we missed the field goal. Then it's like, here we go again. When are we okay. gonna win again? Now, and, and I have to speak on that because it was one of those watershed moments that you can look back historically as a Bengals fan where it's like those plays never go our way. Even if it's not a Bengal player that's actually at fault for it, it's just somehow when we yeah. can change the trajectory, it's like the powers that be don't want to give that to us, karma, whatever you want to call it. Because I saw a, a play at the end of that Tampa Bay Dallas game on opening night on Thursday. That was way worse than AJ. Way more egregious than what AJ got called for. And I said it right there. I said, oh, if that's us, they're calling that back, offensive pass interference. So, yep. you know, it's, it's funny, you know, the ones they do choose to call versus 
versus don't. But, yeah, I, I think Joe even said it himself after the game. He said, last year we don't win that game. You know, talking about the growth of this year's team and guys being locked in and the maturity. So I definitely think it's it's good. It's always good karma. Start off week one with a victory, and let's go. Let's see what we can do with this. Yep, and, and people don't realize momentum, uh, you know, feeling good about yourself goes a long way in team sports. You know, it's the difference between, you know, winning and a loss, especially with week one. Like, like you know, when especially when things don't – hasn't went – well early each season as the coach, uh, you know, as far as under Zach Taylor, you get a win early, you're kind of like, okay, maybe what he's preaching is working. And, and you know, and you, no matter what it is, I have to give Zach Taylor credit. They could be 0-10. They could be 3-12. and 12, They play hard for this man. It's something, for me, it's something to be said about that. <laughs> well, you know, we slightly uh, disagreed about that last year, right? Before life in the jungle even came into existence. Yeah, we definitely disagreed. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I think the Bengals have a group of players that have internal pride in what they do. They take pride in their craft, the product that they put on the field, and how they play. And I also believe. When you bring in different guys that they brought in and a leader like, you know, Avon Bell, a former All-American at Z, um, you know, it, it's going to change the culture and the locker room. Or you resign a Sam Hubbard who since high school at Moeller when he won a state championship and was part of a national championship at, in college at Ohio State. You know, these guys don't have that expectation that that's going to change at the professional level. So even if stuff is not going right, they're going to play. Now, how much of that was really, are we playing for Zach Taylor? Da, da, da? I don't know. But it did feel good to see them finally beat Pittsburgh last year. I think ultimately that's what may have saved that man's job. Yeah. Um, and, and, and honestly, I don't even care if it was for Zach Taylor at this point, if it gets us a W. <laughs> exactly. That's all I was, especially again, uh, that, that, that yellow and black team, uh, just to go through some of the comments. I was telling Alex about my Gator boy, <laughs> Nick Pearson. Yeah, that was a big pick, man. That was a big pick. Um, uh, going back, he said, we haven't had a kicker like that in a while. He said, Cam, we haven't had it. I, I agree, especially not in, in, in my days of watching. Uh, uh, Bengals there. Uh, looks like uh, he's a, a good guy too. Play toss with my boy at practice, even though he could have gotten in trouble. Uh, we're gonna put that down because we don't need to know nobody. Bengals in trouble. <laughs> no dry rules now. <laughs> we, 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 we ain't messing with that. Um, and but before we go, we have to give a prediction. Mm-hmm. You always got to give a prediction. Week two, we want to know we're feeling good about ourselves. Chicago, Cincinnati, Soldier Field, 1 o'clock Sunday. What's your prediction? 31-17 Bengals. Oh, you're talking about we're going to lay the smack down on the deal. <laughs> That's a two-score game. We got 31-17. You know, uh, Mr. Road game, I-, I do think we win. I think it'll be a little bit closer. Uh, but I think we pull it out. I, I see a 27-20 win um, over over the over the Bears. Uh, I hope Andy plays well enough to keep him in the game. 
you know, just play well enough. You know, throw a touchdown pass here and there. I was going to say, like, I don't know how confident of, of that score I am if Justin Fields comes into the game. All things is off. <laughs> right, right, right. You're right. I, I, I get that. But, um, yeah, I think they win. I think they win. I think they're feeling good about themselves for the first time. They can open the season with a victory, ride that momentum. And, you know, and like my boy Ma says, uh, Ma says here, looking at this team, they actually look like they enjoy each other, like they actually kick it outside of football, uh, you know, which is key. And that is, you know, even though with some of the teams we had in the past, it just seems like they was a close-knit group. They won. They were good. But it, sounds like, it feels like a family feel in the locker room, and that goes a long way in team sports. I see a 27-20 win. I think we go to 2-0, and and then we'll worry about those Steelers when they get there. But that's it. We got my man Pharaoh, Alex B, call it 31-17. I have it 27-20. We both predict Bengals victories. This is episode four of Life in the Jungle. Jungle. Make sure y'all tune in every Monday. Last week it was a holiday, so we came on Tuesday. But every Monday we coming with it. Bengals all day. We gonna talk. We gonna keep it real with you. We gonna be honest with you. Uh, but and if you missed the live episode, make sure you tune in on Spotify on the Spotify app. Look up Life in the Jungle podcast. If you're not following Time Out with Coach Cam, you need to go follow that. And if you're not following Factual Opinions, you must follow that because we got heat all the way around. Who they? Yes, sir. He, we got personal things going. We got we brought it together to try to get y'all some bingo content, man. But we appreciate you all for watching. Uh, make sure you download us on Spotify. Follow us so you make sure each time each show each show that we uh put on there, you know you already got it. It's gonna be there. It's gonna pop up on your phone. So make sure you tune into us. Subscribe, follow, and share. But we appreciate you for tuning in. Who they Bengals fans? Let's celebrate one and know. Let's not nitpick this victory. Be happy and let's get ready for that W on Sunday. We going two and zero. But that's it. Life in the Jungle, Episode 4. We out.